following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Wednesday, Halloween, October 31st. I'm Josh Dunn. I'm joined by Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer. Wow, there's there's been a lot going on with your guys' teams this past week or so. Uh, but aren't you? How you feeling in the wake of it all? I'm doing all right. How's it going with you, Josh? I feel great. I feel great, Dan. Uh, obviously, we have a lot to talk about with Cleveland on this show. We'll get to that. But uh, how are you feeling over there in Northeast Ohio? I will say it is a treat to be with you, and I look forward to this trick of a show. Yes, uh, and we'll give you some yeah. treats as well. Uh, to, to, to be a, a Dan and oh, yeah. give you a great transition here. <laughs> uh, but we've got it's, – it's the NFL trade deadline here today on Tuesday. Obviously, we're recording here late Tuesday evening. Uh, but uh, one of the more active trade deadlines we've seen, really, as, as far back as I can remember, some big names on the move. And, and Anshu, we'll start with you because your Packers were very active today, uh, two of the later trades to come in. But the, the one that uh, I think is interesting is the Ty Montgomery trade. Uh, he gets traded to the Ravens for a seventh-round pick next year, so they take peanuts for the the guy who ends up fumbling that kickoff. Obviously, there was a lot of controversy about what happened in that situation. There was a story out there that uh, the coaching staff told him that he should take a knee. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers and some undisclosed player were very unhappy, among others, in the locker room. So uh, just just talk about the situation that, that this could potentially be for this Packers team that obviously needed a win there, and they were down by two and had an opportunity. We don't need to belabor the point that they lost the the game but uh, are you surprised at all for the, the lack of value that they got for somebody who's been like you have said to me in the past a consummate pro over the years yeah pretty surprising I mean obviously if the one play doesn't happen last Sunday you know none of this happens I mean if he just goes down none of this happens <laughs> like it's insane to me all of uh you know the, the response and obviously the Mike Silver article that you're referencing where he claims a half dozen players were up in arms about this move, about the uh, plant, the idea of taking the ball out of the end zone. Just crazy to me. Um, but Montgomery, you know, if you take a high level look at it, I mean, Trevor Davis is likely to come off the IR. He was one of the league's best kick and punt returners last year. That would make Montgomery basically obsolete at returner. And then you've got Aaron Jones coming on and obviously Jamal Williams there. I mean, there's just not a ton of value for Ty Montgomery. He probably would have stayed on the roster just because the Packers are kind of a conservative team in general. But, you know, this this stuff obviously triggered it, and some terrible fan behavior probably prompted Montgomery to ask for a trade from Brian Gutekind. So that's just kind of the way the cookie crumbles. And like you said, peanuts, I mean, you basically can't ask for anything less than a 2020 uh, seventh-round pick, which is what the backers got for Montgomery. But... Wish him the best. Uh, still a really talented player. He's very versatile. You know, we saw Cordero Patterson on Monday Night Football for the Patriots do a lot of running back 
as a you know a, a career receiver. Ty Montgomery, of course, was one of the first to, to actually do that, and I think that his versatility is something the Ravens could use and something a lot of teams are emulating these days. Yeah, and the Packers, that wasn't the only move they made. They, they were definitely sellers here at the trade deadline. Uh, haha, Clinton Dix, he was rumored to be on the move and ends up getting traded to the Redskins uh, for a fourth-round pick in this, this coming 2019 draft. Uh, Dan, obviously the Packers kind of already struggling in the secondary a bit. They've got a lot of young uh, early-round draft picks that they're trying to, to kind of bring up. But uh, were you surprised at all to see Clinton Dix, who's been a guy who you know has, has, has shown promise uh, through the years that he's been there in Green Bay? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really curious move. Clinton Dix, a guy that I've really liked. I really liked him coming out of school. Uh, and it was a guy that I wanted the Browns to take uh, a few years ago when he came out. But really curious that you trade him within the NFC. We've talked a lot about how this NFC North is just a really, really tight race. Right now, I mean, you got the Bears at 4-3, and three, Minnesota 4-3-1, and one, Green Bay at 3-3-1. Three, three and one. Uh, and Washington with a couple game or game and a half lead in the NFC East over Philadelphia, uh, but there's no guarantee that they hold on to that top spot. So you're really trading a, a very talented player in the secondary to a team that you're likely going to be competing for uh, in a wild card spot. So it's just very odd. Uh, and we know we've talked about this before. The NFL is a little bit different uh, some than other leagues in trading uh, within divisions and within conferences, but uh, still a very curious move, I think, to help a team get better that you're very much uh, at risk of losing a playoff spot to. Yeah, and Washington now, you know, they make up one of the strongest safety duos in the league with DJ Swearinger there, and, you know, I, I like to see contenders that try to get better at the deadline, and we'll talk about some teams that didn't do that. But another one was the Los Angeles Rams, who have really done a lot this past offseason to stock up that defense. We've talked about it ad nauseum on this show. But they go and add Dante Fowler Jr., who was a former first-round pick, uh, leaves the Jaguars to head to L.A. Uh, this is another one, Anshu, that uh, you know could provide some serious value on that defensive front for the Rams, who just continue to add big names to this team. Obviously, Fowler's been a bit of a disappointment in Jacksonville at times, but uh, this still, you know, this is a significant move for this team in L.A. who, you know, they've they've added a lot of big names, and if they get healthy, this defense could be scary. Yeah, I mean, I think the key to Fowler, although he has been a little bit of a disappointment, is just his youth. I mean, he's 24 years old, uh, former top-five pick, you know, obviously came on last year. A lot of that, I think, is due to how good their coverage was, Jalen Ramsey and Go and, you know, A.J. Bouye and those guys. But, um, you know, they, I, I do think that Fowler is probably, for what they gave up for him, maybe a little bit overrated. I, you know, a third rounder this year and a fifth rounder the subsequent year, I think is quite a bit for a guy that hasn't done a ton yet. Um, but, you know, the Rams are just accumulating talent. There's no way to dispute the fact that he is, absolutely you know a start starting caliber edge rusher and uh it'll be interesting to see how quickly he's able to acclimate to wade phillips who's a consummate uh players coach so it should be interesting to see how he plays and if i can just address clinton dix real quick i'll just say this i know that you know he's a pro bowler and he's got a lot of flashy like interception numbers but i can promise you that any packer fan that's watched him would say good riddance he's a free agent after this year yeah, you know, it's you, know, you called him a selling team. I, I get that. That's the perception when you look at giving up Montgomery and Clinton Dix, who are two guys that can certainly help you and be active. But I'm telling you right now that Clinton Dix 
is not the covered safety that people perceive him to be. And he's trying to get a big money deal after this year. The Packers just weren't going to give it to him. So to get a fourth rounder this year, as opposed to the comp pick and whatever pick they'd get in 2020, I think that was just their rationale, but it's, it's an odd move. I, I think that this Fowler deal and the Quentin Dick deal are viewed similarly by the local fans, as opposed to the national fans who are sort of obsessed with the idea of obviously Pro Bowl players, but like the, the, you know, the talent these guys had coming out of college as well. Yeah, and I think there's a mis- misperception about what the value for players like that is as well, True. just just in general. But but that's fine. I, I mean, it's still pretty much a fact that they were sellers considering they traded away two players and got two late-round picks. But I agree with your point. I don't think these are guys that were in the long-term picture for the Packers. But with what happened on Sunday, you know, obviously the media is going to attack it and look at it that yeah, way and say, sure. you know, the Packers are imploding. I saw multiple stories out there today. You know, Ridiculous. talking about how how the Packers are going to start to unravel and fall apart. Now, not that I agree with that, but clearly there's a perception out there that uh, you know could be a little bit flawed. Uh, but the the big moves that started the day, uh, the earliest moves uh, were the wide receiver position. Obviously, there were a lot of talks out there about whether or not New England was going to add a big name receiver. Uh, you know, they were making calls about it. They've had some concerns with Josh Gordon. He's been late to a meeting. Uh, has been late to a couple of things since he's been in New England. Was supposed to be. Uh, you know, not suspended, but was supposed to have his playtime cut last night. But uh, clearly they, they didn't hold true to that as he played the majority of the snaps in that game. So those reports were a little bit false. But the guys that were on the move were Demarius Thomas, who ends up getting traded to the Houston Texans in the wake of the injury to Will Fuller, uh, who tore his ACL and is out for the year. So Demarius Thomas heads to the Texans and is going to get an opportunity to play against uh against uh Denver in Denver in his first game as a Houston Texan and then the other one was Golden Tate who uh is going to be heading to Philadelphia uh for a third round pick uh so he leaves the Lions they also restructured Marvin Jones Jr's deal uh to to save a little bit of, of room in the cap space so Dan which one of these two receivers do you think makes the bigger impact for their new team I mean Demarius Thomas going to the Texans and being able to pair with DeAndre Hopkins you know, it's just absolute reload mode for the Houston Texans. You mentioned it with Filler going out uh, for the year on Thursday night. So this Texans team, which which looked like, oh, you know, oh, no, now what are you going to do when guys, uh, when teams can just double cover Hopkins uh, now looks like they have that weapon on their side. And, you know, Thomas isn't the guy he was uh, a few years ago, but it's still a very, very capable, uh, dependable uh, number two receiver and play some slot. Uh, and can very much help that Houston Texans team, which doesn't really need it at this point. Got a couple-game lead. Uh, Texans, Jacksonville, Indy, none of them really looking like they want to compete with Houston, so it all looks like uh, all roads will lead to uh, playoffs for, for Houston. So I think that's the biggest one. I think it just cements them as the favorite in that division and one of the favorites in the AFC. Yeah, and obviously Cortland Sutton is the guy that they look to now and, and they believe is ready. Uh, he's a rookie. He's a guy out of SMU that they're very high on and they think that he's ready to, to become a star now, which, you know, that that's a big statement to make for a Denver team that doesn't necessarily have a great quarterback. You know, Case Keenum hasn't been the answer there. Uh, but Philadelphia adds another huge weapon here on you to a team that, you know, they proved in with the win in London against uh, the Jaguars here this past weekend that they're still – a contender this year. I, I don't know that they're at the level of a Super Bowl level talent, but bringing in a guy like Golden Tate, who's been, you know, year after year, very productive for that Lions team. Uh, that's got to that's got to excite people like Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. 
For sure. And, uh, you know, he's done it in two different offenses that are somewhat similar to the West Coast uh, basic, you know, foundations that Doug Peterson uses. So in the last, what, four years, I think, uh, Golden State's caught at least 90 balls a year. That includes playing only 12 games last year. I mean, the dude is just automatic as a slot. Uh, I think this helps move Nelson Aguilar outside. You know, you still have Jordan Matthews. And I think that they looked around, and I thought that they would for sure look at running back. The fact that they didn't make a trade for a running back, they essentially said, look, we're just going to go to our short passing game. And that's exactly what Golden Tate has brought every year. He doesn't necessarily bring the huge plays, but the guy is just an absolute machine at catching the ball. And um, I think that he's going to be Carson Wentz's best friend when you think about Jeffrey and Ertz, Aguilar, Matthews and now Tate, um, and you know they obviously have Clement out of the backfield and Smallwood. I, I just there there are a lot of weapons and a good offensive line for Carson Wentz. There won't be many excuses for him not to hang you know twenty eight thirty points up a game. So let's talk a little bit about the value that these receivers were able to draw. So Golden Tate, obviously a free agent after this year, he he gets traded for a third round pick. Demarius Thomas gets traded, uh, including a seventh rounder in that trade. Does Denver for a fourth and a seventh? And then you had Josh Gordon a couple weeks ago get traded for a fifth round pick. You have um, uh, Amari Cooper who was traded for a first round pick. So what what do you make of the value here that was a return for these types of guys? Obviously, it sounds to me, you know, after today's trade deadline deals, that Amari Cooper maybe was traded for significantly more value than than really they could have gotten, and and maybe Dallas was a bit desperate in that move. Yeah, for sure. I I think so. I mean, Golden Tate and Demarius Thomas are six years older, but, you know, their performance on the field, I think you could easily see either of them outperforming Amari Cooper, particularly when you look at the offenses they got traded to. So, um, you know, I I think that the Cowboys, again, I think they were bidding against themselves. I don't think anyone was giving up more than a third rounder for Amari. And while I think that he's immensely talented, um, you know, when you look at the scale of those contracts and the the uh, draft picks that were traded for them, it's pretty head-scratching to see what the Cowboys gave up for Amari. Yeah, I agree. Dan, let's talk a little bit about who did not end up being on the move here at this trade deadline. There was a lot of talk about the running back position, LaShawn McCoy, Le'Veon Bell. Both of them are staying put. Le'Veon Bell, who knows if he'll report or not. Uh, it seems like he maybe should at this point now that he was not traded. Uh, LaShawn McCoy was rumored to be on the move and, and he didn't end up making, uh, they didn't end up making a trade did Buffalo here either. So what do you make of these two guys staying home? Obviously the Steelers are definitely a contender there in position there in the AFC North, unfortunately for either of our teams. Uh, but, uh, the Buffalo Bills kind of curiously hanging on to LaShawn McCoy when they probably could have gotten some decent value for a guy who's, you know, 30 and really the only offensive weapon that they have here in a rebuild. Yeah, curious is really the only word I can use to describe the fact that neither one of these guys are on the move. If you'd asked me, uh, you know, put some money down, is one of these guys going to go? I would have said absolutely. Someone's Someone has to. The Le'Veon thing is just uh, continued, just complete dysfunction and continued bungling of this. There's no way he plays hard. I mean, he may show up, but I just can't imagine he goes up and uh, actually attempts to play or runs hard at any point. I mean, he's, he's going to try to save himself. He's proven that at this point. He's not going to bust his butt for this team. So I think having the risk of him being on your team is just a risk of further cancer, further division in that locker room. I mean, especially if they start failing, if they lose a couple games, or it's a tight race at the top of that AFC North, and all of a sudden you have Le'Veon Bell not selling out for his team after James Conner has 
has just absolutely blown his, I mean, not blown his stats out of the water uh, the past couple years, but uh, has been a very sufficient replacement and even going above and beyond a little bit in some cases uh, of the, the production numbers. So it's very curious as to why he keeps him there. And uh, I mean, if you're Buffalo, maybe the only case is that it's just so bad over there. You're trying to appease your fans and make it look like you're still attempting to win at some point uh, in the next decade. And uh, maybe that's why you hold on to LeSean McCoy. Other than that, there's really not a lot to, uh, to hold on to at two and six. Yeah, but it does say a lot about the value of, of the, the running back here in this league right now. Nobody nobody was willing to dish out the type of return that either one of those guys should garner. And we've talked a lot about you know, whether or not their value is what they expect it to be or what they think it should be. And Le'Veon Bell, I mean, the, the, the league is, is coming out and saying, we're not paying you what you think you're worth. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that whole situation plays out in the offseason because, you know, the Steelers clearly aren't aren't willing to pay him what he thinks he's worth. And I, it doesn't sound like the rest of the league is willing to go out and, and put their uh, their necks out there to make a big deal for him either. So we'll see how that ends up playing out. Um, Dan, obviously, we, we Anshu and I both listened to your solo show and, and your reaction to the Cleveland Browns firing both Todd Haley uh, and Hugh Jackson. Uh, not sure who they're going to, you know, have as their long-term coach, but they, they did make a couple moves, uh, you know, to fill the offensive coordinator and the head coaching position in the interim. Uh, so did want to throw this out there. And I know this is something that, that you had mentioned to Anshu and I today that, uh, the name that's been thrown out there is potentially Mike McCarthy could, could be a name that they look at in the offseason if the Packers part with him. So I wanted to give you guys both, since you guys are both fans of the respective teams, to spend a few seconds here in the microwave giving your thoughts as to, you know, what that would look like for your respective fans and your for your, your respective teams. So why don't we start with you, Dan? Uh, let's hear what your thoughts are on a Mike McCarthy as a replacement for head coach of the Browns. I mean, I don't really love it. This is one of those situations where I think it's time that you do take advantage of getting some fresh blood in there. I know the name Matt Campbell's been thrown around a lot, the Iowa State head coach. He's got Northeast Ohio ties, helped turn around its Lego program, and now uh, turn in a Iowa State program around very well. A couple really big. I think he's got three top 15 wins uh, or against top 15 teams at Iowa State, uh, something that hasn't happened there in a long time. So I think it's time you try to get that Sean McVay type young uh, creative play caller in there. As much as I like Mike McCarthy, as much as I respect what he's done uh, and his accomplishments in his career, I think it's it's about time we, we move on from the guys of 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I know that sounds like a very – millennial uh, trendy thing to say but it, it, you know it's it's working in other places across the league uh, so I know the other names have been thrown around like DiFilippo uh, some other types uh, you know, Lincoln Riley which he denied wanting to come to Cleveland but that's obviously the smart thing to say in the middle of the season at Oklahoma so I would expect the Browns fill it with one of those young guys I think John Dorsey wants to get uh, some kind of fresh turnaround blood in there but uh, yeah that's a take from Colin Coward that I don't necessarily agree with but uh, we'll see going forward. Anshu, what about you? I mean, you're a Packers fan. Do you think Mike McCarthy's the guy long-term to stay there? Obviously, he's been your coach for a while, but uh, what would the Packers fans think of this? Yeah, he's been here forever. Uh, you know, I, I think it makes sense to go to Cleveland if he's going to land somewhere. You know, everyone's after the next Sean McVay, but I've had a lot of people would take the next Andy Reid, and that's basically what Mike McCarthy is, and that's what John Dorsey was in the position to do when he was in Kansas City was higher. Andy Reid, and look at what he's doing with Patrick Mahomes now, what he did with Alex Smith before Smith went to Washington. So, uh, you know, 
I don't think that Mike McCarthy is a terrible offensive game planner. I just think his message has gotten stale in Green Bay. I think it's time to move on from him. Unless they, you know, go on a huge run and win the conference somehow. I, I just, I don't think that he's, you know, he's their guy anymore. And uh, I think that it's time for the Packers to actually go make a move for a younger co- coach to go with their young GM. You know, now that Ted Thompson has been, has been sunsetted, it makes sense to pair your GM with your coach and uh, tie them together. So I think the Packers are next to make a move like that. I w- you know, I think that McCarthy absolutely should still be a coach somewhere. I just don't think it's here. So maybe that's damning with state praise. Yeah, well, we know who won't be the coach of either of your teams in the next decade, and that's Marvin Lewis because he will be the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in perpetuity. <laughs> I think he's got a lifetime deal so uh, in mediocrity. But uh, before we get to our last segment, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors. Well, since it is hump day, perfect time to talk about our sponsor, Blue Chew the performance enhancement that you need if you're having trouble keeping up with all those hump day activities. Uh, It gives you confidence. It's the first chewable tablet, active ingredients, just the same as Viagra and Cialis. Works twice as fast. Comes in discrete packaging, so if you don't want people to know that there's some hump day activities going on at your house, you don't have to worry about that. Made in the USA. Prescribed online by a doctor. If you're interested, make sure you visit bluechew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use promo code LEFTOVERS. Like I said, just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com, promo code LEFTOVERS. Now back to the show. Welcome back to The Leftovers. Uh, obviously, guys, uh, we love hearing from our sponsor, Blue Chew. And, Dan, uh, thank you for telling our listeners a little bit more about it. But we did want to talk a little bit about the Cavs before we let our listeners get back to their Halloween and their hump day. Uh, obviously, Tyron Lou went the way of Hugh Jackson. Everybody in Cleveland's getting fired. Uh, look out, Terry Francona. But Tyron Lue gets fired here in the last couple Dan days. Bauer. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's very true. Kevin Love also, I know you mentioned on the show on Monday, Dan, but Kevin Love's injury appears to be a little bit more serious than originally thought. Could be out at least a month, may need surgery on his foot, uh, has been told to rest it in the meantime. But the, the issue here with the Cavaliers is Larry Drew is now their what they thought was going to be interim head coach, but they have not been able to agree to a deal. Uh, so he's acting as their head coach right now, but uh, there's no deal in place for him to be the interim head coach or to stay here long-term. So we'll start with you, Dan. Obviously, the, you're a Cleveland guy here. Uh, this this Cavs franchise obviously starts the year 0-6. Their best player who they just signed to a long-term deal gets injured to start the season. They fire their coach who led them to three straight finals. Obviously, LeBron really was the one that led them there. Uh, but this, this season did not start the way that the Cavs had hoped it would. Kobe Altman came out, their GM, and said they need a new voice, and then the voice that they put in place Place, they will, are, aren't willing to give a deal, and it sounds like they're to stalemate. So what do you make of this as a Cleveland and sports and a Cavs fan, uh, just the dysfunction here for this Cavs organization right now? Yeah, I mean, it's not great, obviously. Nice to get a big win uh, tonight. Huge. To finally get off get off that lose the last winless team in the NBA, right? Um, and so nice nice for that to finally happen. It's the continued, maybe the dysfunction of uh, all of our just terrible coaching just bleeds over now from the Browns into the Cavs, uh, and we still can't figure it out, but uh, it it's not good. I mean, we, we knew this team was not going to be ultra-talented, but at the same time, I don't think any of us expected us to lose the first six games of the season. I, I mean, when Rodney Hood's your leading scorer, it's not ideal 
overall. Easy. Uh, but, I mean, there, there's some good things that happen tonight, some things that look positive. I mean, Colin Sexton was 4 for 10 uh, from the field and hit a hit a 3 in there. Um, so, I mean, some of those young guys are starting to develop. The, the point spread was was a, a pretty decent, right? You had seven, what, six or seven guys score uh, in double figures. So uh, the ball is getting spread around. I mean, people are getting time. People are, are developing. And none of us were expecting championships here anytime soon. Uh, but, yeah, kind of nice to see what these guys can do. And someone just needs to take an ownership role. I, I, it's got to be Larry Nance Jr. has to step up. Uh, he has experience playing in bigger markets big, with bigger stars, uh, and obviously his dad being here and his number hanging in the rafters. Uh, it's got to be his time to step up and really lead this team. Yeah. Hey, Anchu, anything to add? I know you've kind of followed this Cavs team just because we do, uh, and, and uh, obviously you're a big NBA guy, but uh, what do you think as an outsider looking in here at this Cavs team here to start this year? Obviously, you know, they expected to be a lottery pick contender, but, you know, the hopeful guys like me thought that they could maybe compete for an eight seed in the playoffs, and it's not even looking like that's a reality now. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's exactly what I saw was, you know, the fact that they re-signed Kevin Love to that extension. Granted, part of that is because, you know, it, it gives them more trade, uh, you know, sort of leverage. And, uh, they, I, I, you know, they were trying to be competitive this year. I think even drafting Colin Sexton, that's – on the scale of rookie players in the NBA, that's a guy that can make an immediate impact for you. So, you know, I, it's been disappointing obviously to watch. I thought that firing Tyron Lue was interesting and it was clearly because he was in contrast to what Colby Altman wanted, which was to take some of these veterans out of the rotation, kind of surprising. Um, but you know, with Corver and J.R. Smith, there's just a lot of unrest and it seems like Larry Drew wants, you know, more, control of the roster and more money if he is going to run it the way that Altman wants him to. I mean, there, there's a lot of pride in these coaches, right? They don't want to be held to a, or have a certain record attached to their name. So, you know, this is a big deal for him. Um, you know, he hasn't coached in a while in terms of a head coach. So you don't want to be saddled with like a 10 and 60 season or something if that's what happens. And so, you know, I don't blame him for doing what he's doing. It's unprecedented, but it's interesting and uh, could set the tone for other coaches. I, You know, I, the East is just so weird right now. I, I know that there are some teams that have jumped up. I, I wouldn't rule the Cavs out once Kevin Love comes back. But right now they obviously look like, uh, you know, a team that's going to be eyeing the lottery pretty hard. Yeah, they showed some promise tonight, like Dan mentioned. You know, they had a lot of uh, forced turnovers in that game, and the defense kind of woke up a little bit. But you're playing against an Atlanta Hawks team without – John Collins, who's arguably their best player. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of string some wins together. They don't have the hardest schedule coming up here in the near future. But uh, I'll start off the oh, by the ways, keeping it with that Cleveland theme. Uh, the Cavs are now going to host the 2022 NBA All-Star Game. They were hoping to host one before that, um, but there was issues with uh, getting the re re renovations to the stadium done on time, and that got pushed back. I know Chicago's got one in there as well as Indianapolis. So, uh, But, the, yeah, the Midwest is going to be hosting uh, three, three All-Star Games in a row, so it's nice to see the NBA coming to the coldest cities in the middle of winter uh, for, for the All-Star Game three, three straight years. I'm sure the Stars will love that, but uh, that's my oh, by the way. Uh, so hopefully, uh, Dan, you'll have an opportunity when the Cavs rebuild is finally uh, starting to hit its stride three or four years from now, you'll have an opportunity to see at least one or two Cavaliers live at the All-Star game. Uh, Dan, what do you have? <laughs> well, hopefully we can get some press passes by that time for the Leftovers crew. But uh, Mayo, by the way, Mike, one can dream. <laughs> Mike Moustakis, 
rejects the $15 million option from the Milwaukee Brewers, decides to become a free agent. Uh, so first kind of big opt-out uh, from baseball in the Indians news. Got to have a little bit of Homer, uh, Homer stuff. Carlos Carrasco's option gets picked up. Brandon Guyers does not. So a um, couple of the, the option deals start rolling through. A lot of those you're going to see in the next couple of days. Uh, so we'll update you guys on all of those as we can. Love it. Anshu, take us home. Uh, yeah, sticking with the theme of the NBA here late in the show. Last night, my beloved Chicago Bulls were playing host to a certain franchise out of Oakland, and the Golden State Warriors came into town. Clay Thompson was ice cold coming into that game. He shows up and just absolutely wrecks the Bulls. He scores 52 points, 14 of 24 from three. He had in the first half, that, by the way, in 27 minutes. 27 minutes, 52 points and 14 threes. You could do that, like, you know, maybe in an empty gym. And the Bulls basically played defense as if there was no one there. So uh, classic Bulls move here. Uh, and Clay just absolutely insane. This Warriors thing is absurd. And uh, they don't even have DeMarcus Cousins yet. It's just insane. I can't even do that on NBA 2K. Yeah, that was that was pretty impressive. Uh, good news for your Bulls, though. They pick up the options of uh, Laurie Markkinen, Chris Dunn, and Denzel Valentine. So they're all under contract oh, wow. through the 2019 and 20 season. So that's good for you as a Bulls fan with Levine playing the way he is. Maybe they'll have a foundation for years to come, hopefully like the Cavs. But uh, great stuff, guys. Anything to add for the good of the group before we let our listeners uh, go and trick-or-treat? Enjoy your Halloween. Love it. Happy Halloween, everybody. From the Leftovers crew, for Dan Bauer and Anshu Khanna, I'm Josh Dunn. We will see you Friday.